Good morning, Victory City family. So grateful to be back um, this week, this last week for us to be recording um, here. It's just so excited to be able to rejoin live again. And knowing that we will be rejoining live, I felt um, really pressed this week to really take a break from Acts and really almost implore you about the necessity of us gathering together. It has been now several months since we were in a service together with one another. And even with all the wonderful things that have happened um, medically and with vaccines and more and more people are being vaccinated, more and more people um, are just protected from from the virus. I really do believe that we are on the tail end and probably in a much safer place than we've been in quite some time to gather back together. Knowing that, I wanted to just share a message with you so that we could understand why it is important for us to gather together. Now, it isn't just arbitrary. It isn't just because we think that this is the way church has to happen, but it is mainly because this is the way church has been created to happen, the way our fellowship has been created to happen. And so what we want to do today is look at Hebrews and really look at what it means to fellowship and come back together. The title of today's sermon today is Come Together. And it's just very simple. It's the importance that we should know that we have to reunite in fellowship with one another. Now, over the last year and however long it's been, much of the world has felt more disconnected and disjointed, perhaps, than any other time. We have struggled together to hold our mental, spiritual, and even our physical health together as we have been thrust from one another. So many of us have felt the isolation of our reality for the last year, and to return to any sense of normalcy feels rather well foreign. Our church in particular has been affected by this for sure. We um, have been on a bit of a roller coaster for we returned, we had a tornado damage our church, we go back online, and now we're back here to fellowship together with one another. Now, to get back together in the fellowship has been the desire of many churches for sure, but a lot of churches have different motivations for why they feel like they need to gather together again. Some were motivated by financial. Some were motivated by survival. For me, however, I think my concern has always been for the spiritual well-being of our membership. If I can be candid as a pastor, if I can be candid, I never really felt great about us no longer assembling. I'll be very honest about that. I never really had the comfort that a lot of churches had. Now, that isn't because I'm this tone-deaf guy who doesn't really understand or was unaware of the severity of what was happening, but it's because... I was well aware that far more dangerous circumstances have affected many churches of the past and have affected even churches today. Many of them had to fight through 
and find out that death wasn't just the re- the possibility, but if their churches were found out, death would be the reality of what would happen to them. And so there was a bit of conviction for me knowing that churches have faced for years not just the possibility of death, but the certainty of death because of their gathering. And with courage and fervor, they gathered. I was also listening to a podcast on the Puritans. That's what preachers do when they have extra time. They listen to podcasts on Puritans. And in that podcast, J.R. Packer mentions that the Puritans faced a pandemic, a plague as well. And he makes note, he says, while many people left London, it was the clergy people who rushed there to gather with churches, to pray with people, to be with the sick, to risk their lives so that the gospel could be spread, so that while people were dying of the disease, that they could still hear the gospel. So I understood for us that us no longer gathering meant that we did have an alternative. But as many people were concerned about the physical health of one another, I was concerned about the spiritual health and what will happen while we were away from each other. So we did, you know, we did go to another alternative. But even in our best efforts, I think it's clear not just with our church, but with the church universal, that many have suffered. Now, this is not because we're just terrible people, but it is because we have been created for fellowship. We have been created to corporately worship God and hear the preached word together to be strengthened, to be convicted, and to be changed. When that does not happen in our lives. It has a dramatic effect on the people we are and the lives that we live. As we are preparing to gather again on June 6th at 1.30, I know that some may wonder why. Why do we need to gather together again? And I think it's imperative that we all understand the necessity of our coming together. So jump with me this week, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 10, Verse 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The Hebrews writer here is opening this passage by saying that the beautiful effect that the revelation of Jesus has had on us is that now the holy places previously reserved only for the priests have now been made accessible to us all 
because of the death of Jesus Christ. He is flashing back to that moment. We all know it. Jesus is on the cross. And when he hangs his head, as the Gospels record, that the veil that was in the temple, which was the dividing curtain between the priests and the people who could go in into the holies of holies, was rent into top to bottom. And for us, that was a sign not only that people could now enter into the temple, but it was also showing us that the way that we once covered our sins by offering the blood of animals has now been trumped by the blood of Jesus once and for all who believe. There is a lot in this passage, and while it would be really important for us all to um, sit together and hear my full summation of this, I will just give us what I think is very essential for us to hear today. And the thesis that I will give you will be made in a few points, which I will explain the importance of our coming together. And so the three points that we're going to deal with today, one is that a major price has been paid for us to gather. Two, we have been given a permanent priest. And three, we must stir one another up. The first point, a major price has been paid for us to gather. I don't think we think about this enough. In fact, I don't think we really think about this at all. When we encourage people to go out and vote, we usually will say something like, there was a price paid for you to vote, or somebody died for that vote. And the impetus behind us making that statement is, don't waste the vote that costs somebody their life. And oftentimes, that, that finally gives us the sense of value that we need to have concerning our vote. We think, wait, this thing that otherwise I would, would not have even given a second thought now has meaning because I realize that the price that was paid that gives the value to this thing that I originally didn't recognize. In the same way, we have to understand the full effect of the death of Jesus on the cross. The main thing that we realize is that the Christ's death pays for our sins, but the effect of that is that we can now gather with other people who have had their sins atoned for as well. It is a benefit of the cross. Sure, Jesus could have atoned for our sins and left us to bear the weight of an independent relationship, but he doesn't do that. When he does this, he also gives us a new community by which we can grow and learn and be challenged and be encouraged. It is a means of grace which allows us to grow and develop as believers. So yes, we are commanded to gather, but it's a command that is like if somebody tells you that you need to eat. Of course I know I need to eat. I need to eat because if I don't eat, I will die. So if somebody tells you, hey, you should probably eat, that's not as if you don't know that if you don't eat, you won't survive. In the same way we are commanded to gather, we must see our gathering together with other members of the body as nourishment to our souls. A nourishment which, of course, if we don't receive, we will certainly wither away. 
we must remember that there has been a tremendous price paid. So internally, there is not much motivation on our part to fellowship. But if we know that there is a price that is paid and what we know about our faith, and if we look towards the cross, we will realize why in the world would I not gather together with people who believe what I believe, who can encourage me and who can stimulate me to growth if I know that a great price for me to gather has been paid? That is why the Lord's Supper in particular is so vital to the health of the church. And that is why Paul instructs us to take it seriously. When we come together at the Lord's table, we are uniting corporately over and over again with the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. We're becoming reacquainted with him and the cross. We are bearing the cross in our hearts. If we know the value of our gathering, then why would we not want to gather? Point number two, we have been given a permanent priest. This is one of the great benefits we see for sure of our coming together. It isn't that we no longer have need of a priest or that we now have access, but it is the significance of the priest that we have been given. At one time, gathering was for the purpose of one atoning for their own sins and essentially only looking out for their own interests. That time is no longer spent offering mundane sacrifices which don't take away sins now. But now, because we realize that those sacrifices that people went to give of themselves selfishly only to make sure that their sins were atoned for, that they would that they had their own interests. We now present our bodies in the place of that sacrifice because the greatest sacrifice has been given. Jesus Christ has been given who has permanently taken away the sins of those of us who believe and our reasonable response, our rational service to God is that we present our bodies, the whole of who we are as a sacrifice to him. Knowing that he has given us everything, we give him what we can give in return, which is the sum total of who we are. The body of was broken so that unity and fusion would happen in the body of those of us who are called the church. We are being united to one another in his crucifixion, and because of his death, he has been fixed as our permanent priest. The Bible says that Jesus is interceding for us unendingly. If people were willing to go to the temple to make it to the altar just so they could offer some dead sacrifice on it, how much more should we who believe make our way to offer to our living Savior sacrificial offerings of praise and worship to him? If people were willing to hand a dead dove to a priest so that their sins could be atoned for, look how much more we should rush to the altar of God knowing that on that altar Jesus Christ lay and that the final penalty for our sins was paid by someone else. 
If we kept our perspective about us, we wouldn't be so complacent about this, would we? We wouldn't think barely making it on time was enough. We wouldn't think that disengaging during the worship service to think about the drudgery of life would be enough. We wouldn't find time to catch up on our favorite show when the Bible study is or when other gatherings are happening. And that's the thing. Jesus has been touched and hurt and beaten and broken in every way possible. And he felt every blow and the infirmity of the separation from God. And for many of us, our response to him is at best mediocre. Now, why is this? Is it merely because we were forced into an unprecedented isolation for over a year? No. Perhaps it exacerbated our condition, but it did not cause our condition. Our condition was created by an incessant desire to be satisfied with idle time, rest, sleep, television, play, casual gossip, games on our phones, Facebook posts, the perfect IG picture, who's getting married, who's getting divorced. Work deadlines, paying bills, buying clothes, working out, going out. Did I miss anything? Did I list it all? Probably not. But I bet you're either thinking, yeah, I'm guilty of some of that, or there are things on that list that you forgot to mention. None of these things are necessarily sinful. But none of these things are our life source. We are not fulfilled by any of them, yet we will make more time to gather around those frivolous activities than we will around the word of God. And our lives quite naturally and spiritually are affected by it. The loss of equilibrium you feel is not a misalignment of the planets or a bad day for your zodiac sign. What you feel is that loss of a sense of community that happens when you are not with your family of faith. The Hebrew writer tells us what that thing is that we're missing. And that is our final point. Point number three. We stir up one another. We must stir up one another. The final point in us understanding the importance for us to gather is understanding what happens when we gather. There is this vertical worship and praise that we give straight to God. When we sing about his goodness, when we meditate on his wonder, when we do all the things we do to, to, to admonish God and bless God and celebrate God. That's a wonderful thing. It's vertical. But there is also, however, the horizontal, horizontal component to our gathering experience. And that is what happens in our relationship with one another. The writer says here that we are to stir up one another. And that that word literally means to stimulate one or to even irritate one to love and good works, encouraging one another. There are a few things happening here, not too complex, but very simply the byproduct of us gathering is that we are stimulated to love. How does that happen? 
I think quite easily from the second one walks through the door. You think about it. You get up on a Sunday and it's not going particularly well for you. You're late. Your kids are restless. You and your spouse are not necessarily getting along that day. Everything seems to be going awry. And then the minute you walk through the door, you see that greeter standing there and there is this smile that comes on your face because this person is cheerful and smiling and full of love. And you are almost immediately stirred to love again. Just the smile and the hug alone has stirred you to be encouraged and to behave in a better manner than when you arrived to church. Be honest. How many of you have arrived together, upset with one another, and then you leave realizing, boy, what we were mad about was really small? And you don't have to discuss it. There is this mutual releasing of whatever went wrong. We don't need to engage in it because we have come here and we have been stirred up and encouraged to love again. We've been stirred up and stimulated and encouraged to do good works again. The kids are that were barely behaving come out with their pictures and their scriptures from the day and you discuss what they did and you chat about how good it was to see someone and without realizing gathering is the catalyst for everything you have done on Sunday. And the beginning of your week that fellowship that you've had is meant to carry over. Now, there are some people who may feel like, well, this seems like this, these people are putting on a phase. They're putting on airs. This, this is just a facade. But the reality is, is no, it's not a facade. What you feel when you walk through the door, that merging of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit testifying in himself, in you and somebody else, is you being stirred up to love again. You being stirred up to good works again. Think about how much of that we have missed in our time away from one another. Think about how sincerely when you gather with someone, you can be encouraged by something that went through their, their life that week. Or you can be led to pray for someone you didn't know had something going on. See, we as a body are at the mercy of one another. And what happens when we gather is how we are stimulated, we are stirred up to continue to contend earnestly for the faith. What you have felt in this last year and however long is not foreign. It should be expected. Because what should be the catalyst for your life and all of us has been taken away from us. And what the best thing we can do to reassure and to realign ourselves in right spiritual relationship and health and fitness is to gather back together. This seems like a very specific example I mentioned, but that is why we need to gather. That is why we need to see one another. We need to be stimulated, irritated to not be complacent about our faith, but to feel that we must love more than before. We must do more than before. 
and we must be encouraged more than before. And so we have a really important task on next Sunday. This is not just about, oh, we need to get back together so we can make things feel normal. It is about our spiritual health, not as just a body of Christ, but also individually. And if you feel like you haven't suffered some loss because we haven't been able to gather, then you may not understand the necessity of our gathering. It is vitally important that we gather back together as believers, as members of the body, so that we can be stirred up, so that we can be stimulated by one another again. So my prayer as we close is that we will see one another, Lord willing, on next week to be encouraged, to be stirred up, to be, to be encouraged to good works, to loving again, to feeling things that we felt like we would never feel again, that sense of community that we lost. It will be here. It will be present. All you have to do is be present as well. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for um, just the opportunity to share in the word, God. It is vitally important for us that we gather, and it is our life source. We must remember that there is a reason for our gathering. It is not for nothing. It is because there was a tremendous price paid for us to be with one another and for us to ever desire to not be in fellowship with other believers, God, is to negate that price which has been paid for our gathering. Lord, it is really important, vitally important, that we meet together again. So, Lord, we pray that you will give us the unction to be back in the household of faith, with our family, so that we can be stimulated, stirred, encouraged, and healthy. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I pray this sermon has been a particular blessing to you. I pray that you have realized the importance of our gathering. I pray that you're going to show up next week and that we're going to be in fellowship. Again, we are meeting right here at Harvest Community Church next week. That's at 1.30 p.m. We've got to see you there. I want to see you here. So my prayer is that you will join with us. If you have any questions about anything you need to know about Victor City, please email us at info at ourvictorcity.org. If you say, I don't know anything about the gospel that you just talked about and shared, please email us as well. Tomorrow we'll be gathering again for our Monday Manor Bible study. That will still happen on Zoom and Facebook Live. Please, there are so many opportunities we have. And I'll be honest with you all. There are so many important and relevant questions that are being asked during those times that we gather that many of you may have. And I'm just answering away. It is important that you're there, not just for me, but for yourself as well. You probably have a question that you want to ask. So we'll be meeting again tomorrow at 7 p.m. like we do every week. Now, it's time for us to transition to our time of giving. You see all the ways to give. You can give through our cash app, text to give, and give by going to ourvictorycity.org, clicking that donate button right there, and giving that way. All right? This is it. This is it. This is the last time I will tell you to go in peace on this camera, prayerfully, Lord willing. We will be back in the Lord's house this 
one, this next Sunday at 1.30 p.m. So I want to see you here. Go in peace.